my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that this finds you well and recovering after this week of events. So this episode is titled On Being Triggered and Triggering Others because I did an episode earlier this week um, that was released on Monday, which is not typically my, my podcast day. Typically, I record or I release podcasts on Tuesdays or maybe by midday Wednesday if I am running behind. But this Monday, I released an episode called You Deserve to Be Protected. And that episode was related to this weekend's events uh, at the Oscars um, and the slap between or the slap from um, Will Smith to Chris Rock. And it was inspired by that event. Um, And I wanted to share about how I felt um, emotionally and what lesson I took from that event. And in that episode, I didn't really, um, I heavily alluded to the event, but I did not specifically name it. And today I need to name it. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products that support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coast of Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes in your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coast of Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that aspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. This episode, I need to name it. 
um, because, um, and me recording that episode and releasing it early, I don't even think I had a warm up in it. <laughs> I don't think I did like my normal greeting. And then especially at the end where I was like, this is how I feel. And if you don't like it, you know, kick rocks, basically. Um, all of that, all of that was very much me talking and me and my trigger, being in my trigger state. And um, after I recorded the episode and uploaded it, um, it was up, it was on my server for an hour before I was like, Mm, I don't know how I feel about how I talked about this. <laughs> and then I tried to, um, you know, take it down and delete it um, because I was just like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. And Apple Podcasts, <laughs> for those of us who have um, downloads on for our um, Apple Podcasts, the podcasts were still on everyone's players. And so that was that was good because it forced me to have to think a little bit more about about my messaging and about how I felt in the moment and about my thoughts around the situation. And it it had me think about what was shared and um, the impact of that. So here, today's episode, I'm going to, before I get too um, far into this introduction, I want you to know what this episode is about. This episode is about um, operating when we're in our trigger state. I'm going to talk about some things to do when you're triggered, signs that you're triggered. Um, And we're going to talk about how the intention behind acting when you're triggered does not always match the impact. And it's going to be weaved in between the things that I'm sharing. This is going to be one of my traditional episodes where I actually list things versus just free talk. Um, So there will be some some bullet points um, today. But what I noticed that I didn't realize until later the next day, until Tuesday, was that the events of this weekend triggered most of us, maybe not all of us, but it triggered most of us. And it triggered most of us for different reasons. Some of us saw Black men, Black people on stage, and there was a rush to um, to be protective in that um, this is not a good look for us. And for some people, they saw Black men on stage and they were like, triggered by the responses of other people in respectability politics. And it doesn't matter what white or non-black people think about us, like the racism is going to be there. We shouldn't try to confine to their rules. And so people were speaking from that trigger state. There are some people who were victims of domestic violence and they saw their partners who would flip their switch and get emotionally triggered and then resort to violence. And they saw that on the screen and that was triggering to them. For some other people, they saw relived experiences of maybe loved ones who acted in anger and then something happened where either they were hurt, somebody else was hurt, or they're no longer with us. 
other people saw that this was dangerous to them. You know, maybe they are also in a profession where they um, just speak and they have interactions with customers, clients, and other people. And they're like, people can't just wail on you if they don't like what you say. And just fear maybe because they've been in that experience or they've seen other people be in threatening experiences or they just um, um, want better in, in some ways. And so they were speaking from that trigger state. And then there were some of us like myself, you know, who um, saw a black male um, protect or stand up for a black woman. And that felt very um, justifiable and um, defense worthy. And so that was the trigger state. And the thing about when you're speaking from a trigger state and this is the first thing I want to talk about signs that you may be triggered. When you are speaking and acting from a triggered state, it makes it really hard to see that there may be some truth in every other side or in other sides, if not every other side. It makes it really hard for you to see outside of black and white and tunnel vision. And um, because you are coming from a place of um, heightened emotions, and then you're very sure about your emotions, it makes you want to go forward almost blindly because you are in fight or flight mode. And that is really understandable because all of our experiences and all of our beliefs are our own. Um, there's no one who can come to you and tell you that what you experience and what you feel from your experience and what you learn from your experience is wrong. And I think that's why this weekend's events, it was more than just, you know, a pop culture um, incident that, you know, people can crack jokes about. It's because many people, again, not all, but many people saw themselves or saw their loved ones and had a personal reaction to it because what was playing out was a part of their story. And every every point of view that disagreed with that or challenged that was challenging whether or not their feelings, their safety, their thoughts were valid. And so, um, you know, there have been so, <laughs> so many conversations about how this, this event that really, mm, do I want to say this? Really, this event does not involve any of us <laughs> listening to this is, is what I want to say. But at the same time, it does involve us. Does that make sense? Like the, the people who, the people that this affects um, are not anyone in our personal circles. And it's not, I mean, I don't, I don't think those people are listening to this podcast. Um, but at the same time, the impact of what was seen, of what was experienced, because it was on an international stage, an international stage. You know, the event was, you know, so many clips of it being in Japanese and um, people in Australia, you know, posting the clip unedited and all of that, you know, so this, this touched people around the world, right? So there have been so many conversations about how this has really divided um, a lot of people and um, in the moment. Of course, we're going to move on and, and get through it. I mean, 
I'm recording this and releasing it on Thursday. So at this point, you know, a lot of heightened emotions have, um, have dissipated, um, um, but people still have their strong feelings and things are still playing out as far as next steps and what's going to happen next. You know, nothing is concluded. But what I would like to do for this episode is to do what I can now do because Monday happened. Um, because my podcast episode, when I say Monday, <laughs> because of me acting in my triggered state, I'm able to um, to share what I've learned from that um, in hopes that anybody else who is listening to this who may also feel triggered or if you can align this lesson to maybe some other times that you have thought or acted emotionally, um, I hope that this is beneficial to you. So um, first, I want to talk about some signs that you're triggered. Um, and this is list, this list is not going to be exhaustive. What I'm going to do is in the show notes, I'm going to link an article from Healthline um, that I think is just really phenomenal in talking about what it looks like when you're emotionally triggered, how to take care of yourself, how this impacts your relationships, how to make repairs in relationships. Um, And it's going to say a lot more than I'm going to be able to say in this episode because I don't want this episode to be super long. I want to keep it as punchy as possible, um, as punchy as I can with my teaching style. (laughs) So this is going to be Sheena's version of punchy. (laughs) So, So just be prepared for that. But some things that can happen that may cause you to think um, in your trigger state and act in your trigger state um, and that emotional fight or flight response are times that you may feel rejected or betrayed or you're seeing something that seems like unjust treatment, um, having challenged beliefs, uh, feeling helpless, being excluded, feeling like someone's criticizing you or disapproving of you, feeling unwanted, um, feeling... um, I'm smothered and overwhelmed, uh, your insecurities being plucked at, uh, feeling like you're losing independence. And so any of those things can trigger a fight or flight response. And again, you know, the events of this weekend uh, triggered many of these things for different people based on their experiences, which is why there have been so many emotions around it. But one sign that if any of those things happen to you, that you and you want to react or you want to speak or you want to do something, one thing that you can just be mindful of, this may not always be the case, but one thing you may be mindful of is if you are rushing to respond. If there is this desire that I got to get it and I got to get them and I got to do it now um, because ain't no way you're going to you know, disrespect me or hurt me or violate me or dishonor me. Um, and the thing about that is it may not even be that you reacting or saying something is wrong. Um, it's probably, it can most likely be the appropriate thing to do, but if you're reacting at a place where you are emotionally at a 10, your delivery, um, may be skewed from what you would normally do, um, to, to show up and protect yourself and to, or just protect the other people around you. And because of that, the intention of your, of your self-defense may get lost. Um, so for example, 
if you were in a conversation with someone and they legitimately said something that was disrespectful to you and you responded at a 10, you know, and you started like cussing them out, you went off on them, you, you know, broke it down real low. And um, maybe if you're if you're an angry crier, <laughs> maybe even maybe you shed a tear or two. Um, your desire to defend yourself and call out what they did was absolutely right. But doing it in that trigger state, the, the intention and the impact may have been lost. Um, that person may not have heard the boundary setting that you were trying to do, but just saw someone who was, you know, going off. Um, it may have been easier for them to tune out what you're saying because it looks over emotional. Um, it may be easier for them to project and blame shift even more onto you instead of seeing taking ownership and accountability for what they said and did that was inappropriate versus um, taking a moment to respond and taking a breath or um, taking a beat, going to the bathroom if there's a place that you can do that, you know, saying, you know what, I'm going to come back to you and talk to you in a moment. And then when you're at a calmer place, maybe maybe you're still at an eight, <laughs> seven, seven point seven point five or eight, but you're not at ten, right? You still have more of yourself. You can tell that person, look, what you just said um, was inappropriate, and it was inappropriate because of these reasons. You know, we operate out of a level of respect, and I would hope that next time you have a criticism of me, this is how you say it, or this is the delivery or don't do it in front of other people because that undermines my authority um, or whatever scenario it is. I'm just pulling different examples here, right? But when we rush to respond, especially for those of us who um, may have not had an opportunity to defend ourselves to where we may have felt voiceless or, um, you know, if our trauma past does include bullying or overly critical people. And so for some of us that need to rush to respond is very much, you know, PTSD related to our trauma. And so just being mindful of that and knowing that your voice is yours and it will always be your own and you get to decide when and how you use it. It doesn't, there's no expiration date on standing up for yourself and showing up for yourself. Um, you is just as valid if it's in the moment, five minutes later or five days later, you know, or even years later, if, if the situation warrants it for, for you. Um, so that's one sign that you may be triggered. Another sign is, um, well, I guess I already talked about it here, but it's the phrase that, you know, I say often on this podcast, if you're reaction is hysterical, then it may be historical. If it doesn't, if it's bigger than what the situation calls for, then um, then you may need to look to see if it has some roots to your past. So maybe when that person said something, it wasn't really about what they said. Like, yeah, you know, what they said may be graded a little bit, but really what they said reminded you of when your mom used to say things like that to you or when your grandma used to ignore you, or when your dad used to um, make promises but not follow through with them. And so when they flaked out, it really triggered you, right? And that's why you went off. Um, And again, 
all of our emotions and experiences related to this is valid. But if we're acting and also the desire to be seen and respected by the other person is also a valid, a valid desire. But we just have to be mindful of how we react. And the mindfulness is not because of respectability politics. It's because we want to make sure if we are advocating for ourselves, we want to make sure that that message is received. Is, is what it is. You know, it's not about um, being palatable to people. It's not really about, um, you know, having a good look or image unless that's something that's really important to you. But what you want to make sure is that there is clarity in your message. You want to make sure that it is um, received fully so that there's no room for anyone to discount what you're saying. Because if they do, then that's more telling on them than whether or not you gave them ammunition to do that with. Does that make sense? Like you being at a place where you're able to advocate for yourself is for you and is for your own integrity and is for you learning how to show up for your inner child, for your inner little girl, inner little person, inner little boy um, in a way that is uh, is healthy. And of course, there are going to be some people who are just obstinate or people who are resistant and they may not always receive it, but you know that you are showing up in the right way for yourself. That's what this is for. It all, remember this all, it always comes back to us. Everything in our relationships with other people, the way that we communicate, the things that we need, the things that we feel, we understand it more by looking at how do we talk to ourselves? How do we talk for ourselves? How do we protect ourselves? Um, and through that lens is how we show up with other people. So hopefully that made sense. And, you know, sometimes a historical, historical, sometimes a hysterical action does not have to look like you cussing somebody out um, or getting really physically aggressive. Is anything that is outside of your character or outside of your norm. You know, I already said, like, for me, <laughs> it is outside of my norm. Even when I'm speaking very strongly here on this podcast, and even when I'm saying something that I'm very sure of, I, I almost always um, leave it open-ended with, you know, but this is totally fine. You're like, you're able to take take this or not, just totally use it. Um, or, you know, find a teacher or find an experience that really does align with you. So for me to be like, um, tough nuggets. <laughs> if you don't agree, um, that is totally not in line with me. Um, it is not, it's also not in line with me to release, release stuff early, y'all. Like your girl is late. She is on time at being late. Like that, that is me. So me, that was me rushing to respond. So just looking at, um, am I doing a lot right now? Um, is is going to be helpful for you. Um, the next sign that you may be feeling triggered is the inability to process other information um, because you are in fight or flight response. So I kind of already talked about this when I was saying that there, you know, there are so many perspectives and I think I only listed like five, but there are so many other people who had very strong reactions because of their own personal experiences or personal beliefs or personal biases even. And when you are in a triggered state, 
it is really hard for you to receive other details or facts because you're thinking through your own um, emotional response. So you're thinking only through the fact that, you know, my cousin, my brother, my son, my uncle, my father um, was a black man who was affected by um, people who were just acting emotionally and someone was hurt or no longer here, right? And so you see that, um, you see this event as that and anyone who says anything otherwise, other than that should not ever happen for any reason, um, is foolish, is ignorant, um, just doesn't have the facts. And it stops you from hearing, well, first of all, sometimes y'all, sometimes there is a black or white answer but there's also nuance and and space to discuss all other experiences. And I think that is how we know that this is a very triggering event because there isn't <laughs> there isn't depending on who you talk to, it's it's best for you to stay in your little echo chamber because um you're not really gonna get the space for someone else who is also feeling triggered to be like, um, you know what, you got a point. They're going to be like, no, um, protect black women at all times, no matter what. And you're going to be like, no, protect black men by holding black men accountable. Or no, like you, violence is never the answer. And or no, um, if someone disrespects me because my family or myself or other people around me have been targeted and harmed um, from not being in action. Ain't no way I'm never going to physically defend myself. And so that's the lens you see it through, right? But no matter what, you know, the point being when you're in fight or flight mode, which um, flight mode means, and the fight or flight or freeze mode in this instance means being very shut down, maybe stonewalling, you know, the uh, metaphorical putting your fingers in your ears and saying, nah, 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 I can't hear you, <laughs> is being in that defensive um, freeze or flight mode versus the defensive fight mode is coming with the smoke and being ready to argue and defend and to maybe initiating and um, initiating and being very proactive with this is what I feel, this is what I think, this is my stance um, because if I don't do that, then Someone or someone, someone or something is going to harm me. Um, they are going to take my power away. They are going to belittle my experience um, or say I'm wrong when I'm not wrong. Um, and coming from that energy is how we know we are in fight response. And um, with that, I mean that last, that touched the last point that I had, which was um, a sign that your triggers that you see things in black and black and white only. And again, sometimes there are some things that are just right or wrong. You know, you don't, um, you know, sexual trauma in any form is wrong. Um, there's no, there's no nuance or gray to that. And that's, that's one experience. But then there are some other things that, like I said before, um, at risk of being repetitive, there may be some clear cut answers, but the conversation and beliefs and experiences around it deserve to be discussed, deserve to be listened. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. 
Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. And to invalidate it um, so that we can all kind of get to um, a common ground if it's possible. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. So that's all I will say about signs that you're triggered. Again, there is a an article linked in the show notes for those of you who are listening to this on a podcast player that you're able to access the show notes. Um, you know, obviously, if you're like, well, I don't think Alexa, those of y'all who have Amazon Alexa, I don't know if she reads show notes. I don't know. Y'all, y'all tell me. But that is the first part. The second part that I want to talk about is what do you do? What do you do when you're triggered? If someone has said something or done something to you um, or you've seen something that has got you all up in arms, um, this is not going to be in any particular order as far as steps, but it is going to be things that you can do and consider. Okay. 
So the first thing that I would encourage you to do when you are feeling triggered is to breathe or sleep on it, <laughs> which goes back to my first um, my first point about what happens when you're triggered, which is that rushing to respond, that you take a breath, that you take a time out. There's literally a um, DBT skill, which stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy, that's called take a vacation. And when I first saw it, I remember learning as a therapist, when I first saw it, I was like, take a vacation. But it is an intentional um, whole body decision that you are going to take a moment and a break from this versus disassociating versus fleeing, but that you're acknowledging, okay, this is emotionally charged for me. This feels like a lot for me. Let me take a vacation from this for me to go and get myself grounded or at least come to a place where I'm not, you know, at a 10 or a 12 so that I can maybe come back and revisit this with a little bit more clarity and the ability to process what's happening without losing myself and without losing my perspective. Um, sleeping on it does wonders for things um, that, you know, y'all heard me talk about EMDR and how EMDR is taken from what happens during our REM cycles during sleep, where our brain is processing our day's events and why we can wake up in the morning feeling better about something, even if the situation has not necessarily changed because our brain has processed the emotional triggers of the day and now we have some relief. So sometimes a sleeping on it is what we need to do. Um, we have our tapping course, right? And I talk about tapping as being one of the main skills that I teach um, our students. And, you know, there's things online that you can look up into tapping. Um, um, stands for emotional freedom technique. And uh, doing that when you're triggered, when you're scared, when you're overwhelmed, when you're fearful, is really great at, um, at grounding you. But doing something that brings you out of your emotions and and, and I feel like I have to say this, and this may be for me or maybe for someone who needs to hear this. I think for me, I, as being a recovered, recovered or recovering people pleaser, one thing that might have been a regret, you know how sometimes you can look back at experiences and be like, man, I wish I would have done this. As a people pleaser, my go-to response was to always sit back was to always not say something for fear of making someone mad, of disagreeing with them, of looking silly, looking stupid, or whatever else. And so coming out of that, there has been a rush at times that I've had to learn how to temper, but the swing was from not saying anything at all to now I got to say something right here in a moment because you ain't going to get me. <laughs> and you're not going to disrespect me and, and keep it going um, and keep it moving as if it's okay. And what I'm learning slash have learned is that part of that is part of that desire to immediately act is based on that fear and trauma response that there isn't enough time. There's like some lack and scarcity trauma that I am healing from, unlearning, working through to understand that when I say it and how I say it, it will be the right time to not rush to be impulsive with things and to trust 
that however I say it, when I say it, it will be enough. Um, it will be, it deserves the same amount of respect, whether or not it's five seconds after the event happens or whether or not it's five days after the event happens. And um, it's okay to need that space and time. And there can be wisdom that comes from that. And also what's underneath that as well is self-concept and self-image work. A lot of times we will want to be really defensive and um, be very reactive to things, to what people say, because they have touched it in security. That if we were working through our insecurity ourselves, it wouldn't matter what they said or what they thought, right? Um, That that need to rush and defend ourselves is because it's hit on a wound and a piece of brokenness that's not their responsibility to repair or fix. It'd be great. If they were like, oh man, that's not what I meant, like in the moment, but ultimately that wound is going to be there no matter what until we look at, okay, why is there this part of me that felt, felt, feels, might feel really threatened by their stance, by their belief, by their opinion, by what they think? What is it that I don't see or trust or like or believe in in myself that their opinion and their stance matters so much? And so it really is, again, y'all, it really is back to our own individual self-awareness work. So that's the first thing for you to do. Breathe, take a vacation, sleep on it, tap, take a break, whatever that might be. The second thing is for you to validate your emotions. <laughs> um, you, what you feel and what you believe is important and it, it matters, even if it's in opposition to what other people think, or even if it's in opposition to the majority or what you're supposed to feel or think. And um, I think I'm going to tie this with the next one, which is practicing self-compassion, which is the next thing for you to do when you're triggered. When you act out in a triggered state, after you've had time to calm down, or even... Even later on, because there may be things that you did years ago in an earlier version of yourself that you felt 100% justified in, and you're like, I wish somebody would tell me I'm wrong. And now where you are, you're like, (laughs) Um, ugh. Maybe that could have been done differently, right? Again, right intention, but the impact of it doesn't doesn't age well. And I really want to encourage you, if there's any guilt or shame or embarrassment that you have around that, to practice some self-compassion and some self-kindness because you were doing what looked and sounded good with your best access to skills and tools in the moment. You were showing up for yourself how you needed to show up for yourself in the moment. And also you're at a place now through wisdom and grace and maturity where you are able and willing to think differently. Those things are awesome. Those things are awesome. And going back to what I was saying about self-concept, y'all, the only person who can really judge you is yourself. So there's nobody out there who has a notebook with your name on it who's keeping track of your offenses. And if there is, they're weird. And maybe you shouldn't be talking to them, (laughs) but we do that for ourselves. So we keep track of the things that we have done 
or maybe you feel some regret about and we use that as um as judgment or as a measuring tool against ourselves and that's not helping us move forward at all that's not helping us believe in ourselves that's not helping us grow that's not helping us learn that's not helping us feel empowered it's not helping us feel stronger or wiser right so we have to start not trying to use our past against us and trying to change our perspective and our mindset around how we see the the decisions that we made and the reasons why and practicing some um some empathy and some sympathy and some grace and some self-love right to look back at that earlier version of ourselves and practice, see what she was going through, see what she felt, see what she needed, see what she was really trying to get others to hear, understand, um, and value and say, girl, I get it. I, I get it. And I love you. And you have always mattered and you've always been enough. And I am here with you and I'm here for you. And just see how talking to yourself in that manner, how that feels. Does that feel better than the self-judgment and self-criticism? I would hope so. And um, when we're able to talk to ourselves in that way and see ourselves in that way, um, it really does help us move forward and not feel like we're stuck all the time. Okay? Um, The next thing to do when you're triggered um, is to talk about it. To talk with other people about how you feel when you're triggered. Um, Again, when you're triggered, it can really give us um, tunnel vision where we only see one perspective um, through the lens of our pain and the lens of what happened. And we are crystal clear on what was done or what was said, the reasons why it was done or said, and what we're supposed to do after that. Um, And we can make all kinds of judgments and assumptions about other people, about relationships, make some, um, take some actions around it. And again, with time, sleep (laughs) with growth, maturity, and lessons, maybe we can look back and say, oh, maybe I made those decisions when I was triggered. And it wasn't 100% based in fact, Um, because your perspective matters. But maybe there was some other information that was hard for you to take in because you were triggered at the moment, right? Talking about it with other people really helps diffuse it. It helps diffuse it to not only see if there are other points of view, but sometimes we don't we f- we don't feel the need to react because we talk to someone who just validates our experience, right? Maybe all we just needed was for someone to say that makes sense. I get it. I hear you, and so all of the things that we we're going to do after that um, are no longer as needed or as important because we feel um, understood. And uh, so we don't have that need to def- defend ourselves. Sometimes we need, we need that skill gap. We need that bridge because there are things that are not on our radar and not on our perspective. And we need someone to hold space for that. Um, sometimes we need someone to connect the dots to what might be related to our trauma. So talking to someone may be a friend or a loved one or a mentor. It may be a therapist when we're talking about trauma, right? Um, uh, Someone who can see, okay, this is kind of your family history and your family pattern. And this is what I hear you saying. Do you see any connection between the two, right? Um, And just blow your mind and say, oh, wow, this isn't even 
about me. This is about um, something else. The next thing that you can do when you're triggered, especially if this involves another person, um, again, this is not in any order. So this might be the first thing that you want to do um, after you take a breath, take a breath um, and kind of get grounded if you can. But uh, the, the next thing that I have suggested for you to do is to check to make sure you're correct and what you think happened and what their intentions were or what they said. Um, y'all have heard me talk about this before in the podcast as well. Um, this is also a DBT skill called check the facts, which is exactly that. Check the facts. So, 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 so someone said something that is triggering to you. You're five steps away from, um, five steps away from going off on them, hanging up the phone, never talking to them again, blocking them, unfriending them, whatever it may be, um, ending the relationship for you to pause and say, so this is what I heard you say, and this is what it sounded like to me. Is that how you meant it? Did you mean to say that I, it sounds like you're challenging how I'm parenting my child and you're saying that I'm being irresponsible. Is that what you're saying? And, or it sounds like what you're saying is that um, you think that me doing this was very foolish and that you're losing some respect for me. Is that what you're saying? Um you know, whatever the scenario is, and just checking with them to see if that's what they meant. And either one or two things are going to happen. Well, maybe three. Either they're going to say, no, that's not what I meant at all. This is what I meant. And they'll be able to build that repair with you. You will be able to breathe again and come out of your fight stance. Um, And you might even have an opportunity to say, okay, next time, if you want to give me feedback or to say something like this, can you say it this way? Because otherwise it just... I, it just completely got lost on me. If that, if the relationship is one that is appropriate for you to say that, or that you want to say that, um, because you can say whatever you want to say, but there may be some relationships that you're like, um, it's not that big of a deal, but you just needed that clarity. Or they can say, um, yes, that's what I meant, and then you, and then you can decide how you're going to react. Or not react from there if they didn't mean to say something that was triggering to you. Um, you can choose to have a conversation about it, um, take a break, and then come back and tell them how whatever they're saying or whatever they did impacted you um, to make sure that the advocacy that you're doing for yourself is heard and that you're actually getting out everything that you want. You know, I, I should have said this earlier, but. I think sometimes we mistake heightened emotion for people understanding that we're upset. Like you yelling or getting physical or snapping or being passive aggressive, all that does is tell people that you're in, you're in your feelings. That doesn't give them a, a pathway and a bridge to do something differently next time. All that does is just paint the picture that um, you are emotional. When emotions are not bad, it's t- sometimes... Or a lot of times people are doing things that legitimately are provoking real emotions because what happened is not right. But the messaging they're taking from it is not that they need to do something differently, but that you're too sensitive. So you pausing and learning how to communicate what you need instead of throwing slugs and indirect comments at people, you know, vague booking um, or, you know, posting memes and stuff that allude to someone who's hurt your feelings instead of you directly talking to them and picking up the phone and 
you know, asking them to talk about it, even if it happened a month ago, just to clear the air. That doesn't tell them how to not piss you off later (laughs) or to not hurt your feelings later and how to not hurt other people's feelings later. A lot of times people do things and they're not even aware that they're boundary breakers. It's just what they grew up on is how everybody else around them operates. And so they're going through life thinking that be, they're being completely normal. And meanwhile, we're out here being so so offended and thinking that they're doing it on purpose where no one ever told them. No one ever told them that something was rude or inappropriate or not thoughtful, right? And so until you have these conversations with people, sometimes... It's going to keep happening, not because they wouldn't change it, but they just don't know any better. You know, they grew up in a whole different household and a whole different culture and a whole different setting than you. So what's common sense to you and what's common etiquette to you may not be the same for them. And it doesn't make them any less or any um, less deserving and not, not a good potential friend, right? You give people an opportunity to make that change once you bring it to their awareness. And then if they choose not to pivot, well, now you have your information, right? And then the third option that could happen is, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to communicate that I don't agree with this, but maybe that's not how I wanted to deliver it, right? And so they will correct how they said it. Um, which will give you an opportunity as well to have a conversation about it, right? So check the facts, y'all. Check the facts um, to see if that's what they actually meant. And that's that's going to take practice. It's going to take practice if you are, especially if you are like me, where it's like either I don't say anything at all or I react. And so you you need to build that skill to learn how to ask that question. But it com- it becomes easier the more that you do it. And the last one, it looks like it's actually just a throwback to the first one about what to do when you're triggered, um, which is wait to respond if possible and just consider if this is life or death. Um, there are some times that you will need to react immediately because it is a real life or death danger issue. And sometimes it will feel life or death because you're triggered, but it's not. So me releasing a podcast early, it felt... It's y'all, it felt like I got to say this and I got to say this now early. Um, and if I don't say it, I'm going to burst. Y'all, I should have slept. Your girl should have taken a nap. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> I should have did a little bit more, more meditations that day. I talked to my mentor later that day and I should have talked to her. You know, like those things could have happened um, earlier and they didn't. And I I honestly believe that things happen and the lessons that we learn are for us. They are for our good. They are for our betterment. And it needed to happen for whatever reason. Um, maybe this is to make sure that I don't act emotionally for something later on. Uh, or maybe this is to hammer in the lessons and the work I've already done. Maybe that message that was released on Monday, some people didn't need to hear it because I know lots of folks heard it. Um, And maybe I needed to have that juxtaposition so that I could do the episode that I did today. You know, like who who knows? Any of those things, none of those things, but uh, it all works for our good. Um, And if we can look at things that may have been mistakes, 
or that we feel like are mistakes or that we could have done differently and see it as positive stepping stones for our growth, that also helps us not live in guilt and shame, which can be a very hard place to live in. And we get to make our story mean what we want it to mean. Um, Again, we are the ones who are authoring this um, and we get to decide what we write in our little notepad. So with that said, I do want to, oh, the last thing to do if you're triggered, (laughs) Um, if it calls for it, um, if there's any type of ownership or apology that you need to make for the impact of what you did or what you said versus the intention to do that. Again, you know, there there can be collateral damage. Even if we're acting what feels like the right spirit, um, if we are acting emotionally, that doesn't excuse... Um, the damages that happen after that, right? So um, if we go off on somebody and curse them out for what they said or did, did, maybe they did deserve to be corrected in the moment, but we did too much. And so maybe we do need to go back and to apologize for how we said it and what we, and what we said, but there was something underneath that we really did need to express, but we need to repair that Y'all, we can't, we can't be at a 10, hurt somebody, physically, emotionally, or otherwise. And now they're all hurt. And now I go to them and say, yeah, so I know I was kind of out of line the other day, but I said that because you did this to me. That person's still at a 10, y'all. And we have to go and make a real legitimate repair for what happened um, and what was said so that they can receive anything that we say after that. So we have to learn how to talk about one thing at a time um, so that it can set the stage for the later conversation because that triggered person is also not going to hear you. So I hope that makes sense. So with that said, I do, I do, I do. Um, Even though there are absolutely... Um, some beliefs and standards that I shared in that episode that I do stand by. I do want to apologize for the impact um, of it because I feel like I've talked about today in some ways a little bit of what I was sharing on that Monday episode, but I'm sharing it in a more neutral way now. (laughs) I'm sharing in a way that Hopefully, no matter where anybody's stance is, that is better to be, is easier to be received, right? And um, and with and knowing how this event has triggered everyone's, many people, not everybody. Some people are like, oh, God, I'm sick of talking about this. Let's move on. Um, but for many of us, it triggers, it triggered, is triggering, has triggered will continue to trigger something inside of us. And so I do want to apologize that um, at my delivery in that um, kind of instigated anybody else's triggers and made anybody else's fight or flight response come out because that's not my intention. You know, I will always be honest and tell y'all things and sometimes give it to you straight. Um, but I am very mindful me as a teacher of um, 
of caring for each of your hearts um, and caring for each of your experiences. So I did want to say that. So that is it for this week's episode. For those of you who are like, I want to hear the episode now. <laughs> oh, um, it is, uh, it's not going to be as salacious as you want it to be. Um, maybe, um, depending on how you feel about things, but it's only 18 minutes. Um, like I said, I have deleted it from all servers, including my YouTube, um, cause the podcast automatically posts on YouTube. But if you have an Apple player or a, a podcast player that automatically downloads it, then you may be able to find it. And I ain't going to stress about it. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, what I did say at the beginning, beginning of last week's episode is that we are going to start talking about love deprivation um, and because I know I talk about love addiction and love avoidance often, and I do not talk as much about love deprivation. So we're going to have a mini series of episodes talking about love deprivation or concepts related to working through love deprivation and things that come up when you're doing that. So, um, that is it for now, y'all. I'm sending all of you so much love. And as always, I do hope that you take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.